there, good people in crypto land. I'm Matt Lysing, and this is my podcast, Decent People. Welcome back to the conversation. Today, we've got a special episode where we recorded a Spaces um, on Twitter with Jack O'Halloran. You might remember Jack. He was a guest on the podcast back in June. He is a co-founder at Scale, which is like a layer two for Ethereum, but it's a little bit more. It's basically a blockchain layer that developers can rent to put their applications on top of. And then on the base layer, you've got Ethereum, which is very sound in a security sense. But on the top layer, on the layer two on scale, you can do transactions that are much faster than on Ethereum and much, much cheaper. Why that's important is for such uh, applications as blockchain gaming, where you've got, I don't know, millions of transactions maybe happening over the course of you know a game, and you certainly want, would not want to have to pay for each of those transactions in, in gas fees. Um, another big example is NFT minting and um, trading. So scale has uh, become very popular uh, in both of these areas and, and other areas where L2s are great gaining traction. So I wanted to get a kind of an update from Jack on how things are going. They have uh, five of the top 25 blockchain games on scale now, and um, their NFT presence is growing quite a bit. Um, so with all that being said, uh, you can also find uh, you know these spaces that we're doing. If you follow us on Twitter, we are at Decentral Media, and we're trying to do them about every week or so. So that's one way that you guys can hear these uh, and participate as well. So thanks as uh, always for your support and let's get to the conversation hey everybody uh this is matt lysing i'm the editor-in-chief at decentral media uh thanks for joining our spaces today um with scale co-founder jack o'halloran um we're going to get into um the the sort of world of layer twos in the ethereum um evm universe and, and talk about uh, kind of the state of Ethereum and the state of gaming and um, DeFi and NFTs uh, that, that are all being um, helped by layer twos like scale. Um, Jack, thanks so much for being here. How are I'm you? I'm doing good. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's great to talk to you again. I think we last spoke in June um, when you came on the podcast. Yeah, that's um, awesome. That was good, good chat. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that as well. Um, so yeah, I, I thought, um, you know, maybe to start with uh, kind of the news of the day in the L2 world, I guess would maybe be the Blast, uh, what's going on with Blast and some of the criticisms it's received. Um, I think some folks are a little concerned about, you know, how they're promising airdrops and, and things uh, and uh, way ahead of, you know, actually launching their product. I wondered... Um, if you have any thoughts on that and, and how you guys thought about <coughs> that uh, at scale when I know you, you know, the scale token, which I want to talk about is, is obviously very important to, to your network and to the, the whole ecosystem. Um, but what are, are there like, um, you know, Dan uh, at paradigm said, you know, they're kind of setting a bad example by, by making these promises. Um, do you, what do you think about that? Is that is that what's necessary yeah. these days to get people? To you know what? Things? It's a really interesting dynamic right now that we're seeing across. I think every category. If you go look at gaming, you go look at DeFi. Is um, and you know part of this is I think a state of where the market is, but um, this is particularly uh, you know 
you know, I, as we can see, maybe even becoming an issue in DeFi where, you know, we're, you know, how do we assign value to chains? How do we assign value to layer twos? Is it the number of users? Is it the number of transactions? Is it the TVL? And so what, what's happening is you're seeing a lot of investment in terms of air, or investments may be the wrong word. I'd say resource allocation in terms of airdrops and uh, liquidity pool rewards and things along those lines to try to essentially drive usage and users to go use products. And then at the end of the day, you have to say, okay, well, why did they do that? Just so the numbers look better? Well, anybody who like digs belief, scratches below the surface is going to know you're, you're just kind of paying people to come here and do this thing that they otherwise wouldn't have done. And then, you know, and so it, and you know, the converse to that is, Hey, maybe it's a, a good market tactic to, to try to get growth and bootstrap in a, you know, a, you know, a set of users. So, I think, you know, it calls out a bigger, bigger question of what is the right way to grow and where do you, you know, assign value um, when people are just kind of doing yeah, these gimmicky we, things. Right. And we talked about this on the podcast back in June about that's a very Web2 kind of tactic, right? Where you, mm -hmm. you just you kind of care about growth first and then you care about monetizing that later. But Web3 sort of turns that on its head, doesn't it? Because you can incentivize people all along the way. Am I, am I getting that right? Do you feel that way? Yeah, you know, I think ultimately, whether it's Web 2 or Web 3, at some point, whether it's a game, an application, a you know, decentralized exchange, you've got to have people that go use the product and the technology to because the, they want to get the value out of it. And then that system or app or whatever it is has to be able to capture value. And if it doesn't, you know, it's not going to be monetarily viable. And, you know, so, so if you just have a bunch of the same people hopping around to different DeFi chains, participating in things and pretending to use products to just try to capture rewards, and they're never they're going to be there, they're going to be gone the day the rewards go, then I don't see that as an effective uh, resource allocation. If I go back to the original statement of like, resource allocation, and that I think is a big, you know, you know, calls out the bigger question, like, why are we doing these things? And I think that's why you see the you know, response from Dan and Paradigm is I think they're kind of feeling a little, uh, you know, obviously weren't feeling good about the strategy. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe you could tell people, like, I, I think I, I was looking into, um, one thing we didn't talk about on the podcast a couple months ago was the scale token. And um, so I was, I was kind of doing some research on that. And it, it seems to me like you guys are taking that approach um, very um, kind of practically. Uh, and, and I wondered um, if you could kind of just tell people, you know, what are the uses for the scale token and, and why you guys thought it needed to exist? And then I'd be curious to hear after that if, you know, back in the day you worried about launching a token and, and in the, you know, kind of SEC environment and, and how you guys sort of... Uh, became confident that, you know, this was something that was going to be maybe seen as a utility token and not something as maybe a security. Yeah, great question. And we took a very conservative approach on that. And so the, the, one of the main uses for the token is staking. The token provides security in the network. So um, I think there's something like 50 some odd percent staked of the total supply of scale. Um, mm -hmm. And what that does is it acts as security and it scales up you know, proof of stake uh, blockchain that's, you know, and the cool thing is it shares security with Ethereum. So all that staking happens in the Ethereum network. Um, 
but with the scale token, which is on the Ethereum network as well, and it connects into the scale network. And, and so uh, that's one util use. The other use is to take the scale token and pay uh, for chains where the DAP developers will subsidize costs for the users by renting a space in a chain. And the, you know, the goal is the unit economics end up being a lot better if you're renting space as opposed to paying individually for transactions. So the exciting piece there is that there's gonna be a huge governance vote that takes the chain, the chain token chain pricing to the next level. Um, there's a big forum post about it. I think that's gonna, my, I'm hearing, you know, as a core team, we try not to orchestrate too many of those things for, you know, for decentralization purposes, but I'm hearing that it might be even today or tomorrow or the next day where that vote gets pushed live and then there'll be a week for people to, to vote on it. Um, one thing we're going to do as soon as it's live, we're going to have a big AMA and have some like materials so that we can really describe what this phase two chain pricing looks like. Um, but that will be a huge step for scale. Um, but yeah. And, and the, the, that pricing has to be paid in the scale token, exactly. correct? Yep. Right. Okay. Is there anything else you can tell us about th these changes? Or are you waiting? Yeah, um, so there's a, no, live? there's, I can, you know, everything is public and open. Um, everything I could tell you, you could read about today. One, one other thing I want to say though, before we lose, get off this topic too much is, you know, when you were asking about like, you know, what was it like to launch a token? We were really scared because, Hey, I mean, I had been, you know, my co-founder and I had both started, you know, successful companies and, you know, had been successful in Silicon Valley for a long period of time and had reputations to care about and, you know, you know, really, we're not at all looking for any sort of like quick monetary win. We're looking to make a big change and do something we believed in. And so, you know, launching a token was, you know, a very risky thing. And so one thing we did, we launched a proof of use launched where the token was illiquid for two months. And in, uh, everybody who bought the token in any sort of pre-sale environment or public sale environment had to stake the token for this entire two month epic, uh, or these two epics. And, and then contractually, all the tokens that were could be liquid then became liquid after this two month period. So it was this, you know, you had this chicken and egg thing of like, when does the thing, you know, go from being this security to being a utility token. And what we did in scale is the token actually had to be utilized technically for a provable period of time by everybody who had bought it. And, um, you know, I think that's a, it's a painful way to go. It's really complicated and hard, but I felt like it did a lot of the things that at that time, Jay Clayton was, uh, the SEC was saying were really important. And we did that in partnership with yeah. Consensus. Um, and, uh, and anyways, I can go back to your other question, but I think, I think that is something unique and, um, you know, it's, yeah, I'm glad we did it. It was painful and slow, but, uh, <laughs> It was, uh, yeah. I think. So it sounds like it's a, you. You took a. It's sort of a lockup approach, but that it, it on top of that lockup kind of approach was, you know, you had to sort of prove that you were going to use this, and you're not just coming in here to speculate on the coin. Yeah. So let's say you had a bunch. Of, let's say you sold a bunch of hammers to people, but the hammers, you know, didn't exist yet. You couldn't use them yet. Well, that if you go to like the Howey test, that's that's a security. But what, let's say you sell these hammers and you say, hey, well, for two months in order, you bought the hammer, but you've got to use it. And everybody's got to hammer these hammers for two months. You can't go take the hammer and sell it to somebody else for more. Um, it's, you know, you buy it for this price and there's no, it's not traded. There's no fluctuation. And two months, everyone's like, you know, nailing nails in the wall. And after that two month period, we're like, okay, now you can sell the hammer if you want. 
and well, is it a hammer? Is it a security? And I think it's pretty clear the thing like, you know, pounded 300 nails in over the last two months, it's a hammer. Um, and so that's kind of, yeah. the, that's the, ang- I guess that's the uh, simplistic way to try to describe the strategy of doing a proof of use launch. So obviously you were talking about Jay Clayton, the, the previous SEC uh, chairman, Gary Gensler is in there now. Has anything changed um, from from the, the the administrations or, or anything recent that has made you maybe nervous about about your approach or, or you know, anything like you know, that? No, I think you just you, I think as a builder, we focus on building, and the more you focus on building, the more you focus on the technology, the more you focus on helping developers. Um, you know, the more you're showing, you know, you're just trying to get those hammers hammering things. You're not, if you're out talking about prices and you're worried and you're doing things on that side and, you know, you're, you're basically welcoming and asking for trouble. And I think everyone's been in a position where, um, you know, they just want to be compliant. I think everybody wants to play by the rules and we all feel like the more clear the rules are and the more rules that are here that are specific to what we're doing, that are easier to follow, that are, you know, our legal counsels guide us to do, we'll, everyone will do them gladly. Um, at least on the builder side, you know, there's different groups in crypto. And, um, but, you know, if you go into, you know, we're part of the Ethereum community and you get in the Ethereum community, I think there's a definite, you know, focus on long-term on building and developer products and, you know, ultimately servicing, you know, the goals of why we, why we do Web3. And I think all those people yeah. want to be as compliant as possible. Yeah. Well, speaking of building, that's a great segue because I wanted to ask you, um, I'm looking at the DAP radar stats and you guys are second in unique active wallets at just over 1.1 million. Um, congrats on that. Thank and, you. And what, what, yeah, what, what do you think you're doing to, to attract all these unique wallets and users who are active? Um, what do you is it gaming or what, what are you seeing as where the real de, like um the biggest parts of demand are for scale right now? yeah so number one it's it's high volume high user applications so that's gaming right easily um ai applications um uh and social apps i'd say are the kind of major categories and what i had you know it's kind of and so we we took a strategy a while ago we said hey you know we're not we're not going to win this DeFi battle. You know, that's not our goal. It's not the goal of scale. And every blockchain has to make certain trade-offs and some blockchains and layer twos made decisions. Hey, let's make fees higher and, you know, and, and add even more, even greater levels of certainty for people doing DeFi. And, you know, for us, we said, well, that's really, you know, that's a lot of friction to game developers and to app builders and people that want to have lots of users. And so we took a different path. And I think we're just starting to see like a lot of the the fruits of that labor and effort from across the entire community of all the people that said, yeah, we believe in what Scale's doing. We'll become part of the Scale project. And, you know, there's just so many games now building. And so you can go to Dab Radar and see exactly who's doing what and which chains are performing in which way. And, you know, and I, you know, sometimes people see that data and like, oh, this is, you know, there. It's nice when you're successful. You have people. You definitely have some haters come out of the come out of the woodwork. But you know, the nice thing is like you can go look at each one of those applications and go use them. And um, and you know, depending, some of them are are region are geo gated because they let you know 
the way they utilize tokens or it's legal in some countries or not proven in others. Yeah. And, but, uh, but in general, yeah, it's all there. And the, these, these games are delivering and these, uh, you know, end user applications are delivering. So it's exciting to see that growth. And I, I hate to ask this. It might sound like, a, or maybe this is a stupid question, but I'm not sure. But uh, so what you guys are doing at scale is like you allow developers to come in and, and, basically rent a blockchain um you know that that's what you're doing you're kind of creating these side like uh, adjacent chains or shards as some yeah. people call them and so if i'm a game developer do i have to develop my game with blockchain in mind or can can i just kind of slot it into your underlying technology and, and that's all i have to worry that's about. a really good question so we've we have both types of developers come to us some people say hey we've got this really awesome web 2 game or like, and gamers don't like when you say web two games. So <laughs> let's say a traditional game. <laughs> um, and they say, we think there'd be a really great, you know, use of a token or NFTs. And, and so then we have a team that can help them implement in a web three environment. And, you know, but uh, we have other people that are like web three native from day one, but at the end of the day, what they're doing is they're building on Ethereum. They're building for Ethereum and in each scale chain runs Ethereum virtual machine. And it runs a really fast version of it. It runs C++ Ethereum, which is a, you know, hyper-performant version. And the scale consensus is very fast. And that is why Dartmouth, the Dartmouth study, for example, had scale um, as the fastest blockchain with the highest throughput um, when they did a, a research study. Dartmouth blockchain did this. So, and so people, to answer your question, Game developers, they have a game, but they make it so the blockchain is utilized and most of them take an approach to say, hey, how can we let a normal user use this? So they have a, they have a wallet, custodial wallet, a lot of these big growth applications for each user that is, that's uh, secured by them. And then there's a way that the user is doing things and signing and it lets the blockchain run in this very fluid, frictionless manner in, uh, you know, to support gameplay, as opposed to imagine if each time the user had to go to MetaMask and approve something and, and hey, we, we, they can use MetaMask too. And you can even set up MetaMask to work really smoothly within the scale environment as well. So it's not necessarily, it's not a MetaMask yeah. issue. It's really a design issue of, uh, for the developer. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying that. Um, and you mentioned, um, it's funny you mentioned, you know, what gamers don't like to hear, like they don't like to hear it's a web two version or whatever. Um, a lot of, is it still the case that I think a lot of gamers were sort of, sort of um, right off the bat, not really into the blockchain kind of applications and, and they didn't want to, like, I remember um, just there, there being some pushback. Is that still the case? And, and what are you guys seeing? In that? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a big camp inside of traditional gaming that, does not like web three. Um, and there's different reasons. Some of them think it's not good for the environment. I think now that we're in the proof of stake world, a lot of that, those concerns have gone away. Some of them think that the games aren't fun. And, you know, we talked earlier about these airdrops, just trying to get people to use some DeFi product that they don't really need to use. They're just doing these actions to try to make money. The same, you know, patterns can exist in gaming and that's, you know, uh, the other people think, oh, it's too complicated. Normal users can't use it. But a lot of those concerns you see in this next wave of gaming are just really, you know, just dissipating. They're going away because we have fun games. We have better UX models with, you know, um, you know, like I talked about, we have, uh, um, 
you know, I think the right, uh, you know, environmental uh, approach with proof of stake blockchains to make these things, you know, to really appease these issues. So I think it's, it's an issue that'll go away. Um, and, you know, you see this every time there's a major technical curve, you see a lot of like, you know, this type of response. So, I'm yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good to hear. Um, we, we talked uh, previously about, I think both you and I were um, addicted to Clash of Clans for a little while. <laughs> um, I was, I was wondering um, what some of your favorite uh, like blockchain games are these days, which you like to play yourself. Yeah, you know what I think is funny. Um, uh, I, after we talked, I like, opened it up. And I started playing again. And I got like slightly addicted again. I need to quit. I was like, Oh yeah, I'm going to upgrade these defenses. And, um, <laughs> I know. They there's, there's always, there's always 10, things, always 10 things you want to do. They wrote, and Supercell is very good. At that. Yeah. They wrote, they wrote me in really quick. Um, yeah. So let me, let me tell you. So, um, on scale right now, there's some really fun games and I'm going to just talk about scale specifically. So, um, one I want to call out, um, <coughs> is stray shot. And so this, you've got to be a real gamer and have a game, like a PC that you can download the game, which I think, you know, there's a lot of people out there that have that, but, um, that is a fun game. I played that and it's like, you know, it's almost like this, uh, this class, this battle Royale, like Fortnite, and you're dropped in and there's, you know, it's tokenized, there's rewards. It's really fun. That's very cool. Um, uh, <laughs> five stars has a really fun platform like fantasy that's really cool untitled platform has a really super sim untitled platformer has this really fun browser game so anybody can play this you just go to untitled platformer and you're playing this really fun 2d pixel game and it's a blast um moto decks came onto scale and they've got a really fun motorcycle game and a big big their users have surged and they're number five in all of games now. And a big chunk of that is because they're on scale. Um, and that's because the users, you know, they get to rent part of the chain. The users don't have to pay any fees, but that's just one of these fun, you know, motorcycle racing games. Um, and there's this huge, huge set of games that are coming out uh, <coughs> on scale uh, that, um, you know, that I would, you know, love. Well, I think you'll be, some of them have been announced, some haven't. I don't want to say something. I don't want to front run any sort of announcements, but uh, there's just a big, big wave following. So I think, you know, props to the pioneering games on scale that get that got, uh, you know, were first and, you know, jumped in. I think there's six of the top 30 games the last I checked on DAP Radar. I've checked that this week um, that are on scale. And they, I think other people saw that and they wanted to build in the same pattern. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and, and is part of is it still part of the um, allure here for gamers that, unlike in in the traditional world of, of gaming, you might be able to build a character uh, across several different games or universes and take that character with you and, and own sort of the weapons you use or or the skills that you've acquired. Is that still sort of the pitch that that you're hearing a lot of people make you know, as to why? This is I, I'm really glad you asked that because I think that is the, you know, it frankly is just the biggest misconception about blockchain gaming. And it's one of the biggest uh, pushbacks that that gaming, the traditional gaming community has against blockchain. Because that's actually not a blockchain issue. 
it's really a, a game development issue and a game engine issue. And if I have a sword in one game, I want to go use it in another. The blockchain, all it would do is just have a database of a record of ownership that says, yeah, Jack owns a sword and okay, Jack's in the other game and they use the same database. Like, oh, I can just, I know Jack has a sword. He can use the game here. But the developer still has to make sure they have in their engine that they have the sword. Like when you can see it, they can use it. Like what does it do? What sort of power does it wield in the game? And so there's, it's more of a like game. So what I'd say is blockchain makes that easier because the database on the back end shared, but all the challenges up front of like game usability and game mechanics are still there. And so it just ends up being a big problem. And so you don't see people doing that much yet because game developers have, I think, a hard enough time figuring out like what functionality should they let exist on their own chain or on their own game. Okay. Yeah. With their own, their own assets. And so would you say then um, it's more, uh, is it incentives or like things that you can win in the gaming experience, like an NFT or something like that, that, um, or, or like some sorts of monetary rewards that, that you don't typically have in the, the traditional gaming world that is, is what blockchain kind of brings yeah, to the I table. Think one, I'll, I'll give you kind of a quick punch list. So one would be certifiable truth that certain things happened. So like I beat you and that's actually recorded on chain and, you know, and then, you know, and the winner was going to get, you know, some prize and then that goes to me and that's recorded on chain and all there's escrows used. And so the blockchains, you know, let there be, uh, you know, more transparency into the game mechanics. Number one, number two, the game rules that impact money and the amount of money, those things all of a sudden become this, you know, economic database that's transparent, right? And some of these games, if you think of these games as being their own countries, and they're like, oh, we have this currency. Like, let's say you're in Supercell and you bought a bunch of gems uh, playing Clash of Clans, and you bought, you know, a dollar a gem. And all of a sudden, they release 10 billion more gems, and gems are only worth, you know, gems are worth, um, your gems all of a sudden are worthless that you bought. <laughs> yeah, and you're right. like, damn it. Yeah. So that will prevent things like that from happening, like hyperinflation where the game developer can just move things around. The other thing is um, it is marketplaces. All of a sudden, like let's say I wanted to sell something, you know, uh, the game developers right now don't want you to sell anything anywhere else because that's where they get their revenue cut when you sell in their platform. But if I go to Craigslist and I sell you my super sell plan and then my, my login, then all of a sudden you have that and they didn't make any money on that transaction. But with blockchain, they could I could sell it to you anywhere and through a smart contract, they could capture this, you know, 5% royalty fee anytime anything's sold. And, you know, they're all of a sudden they can sell in a, a global marketplace everywhere. It could sell on, you know, so many different places. And that is the, I think to, that to me is the interesting thing um, about this is that it really opens up liquidity in a much bigger way that's still developer and application and game friendly and user friendly. It's a win, win, win. Um, the last thing, and I'll stop here is um, NFTs. All of a sudden the ownership of in-game items, I actually can own them and I can trade them more easily. And um, people like to own things and Hey, yeah, at the end of the day, the developer has owns the front end and you could own an NFT. And then all of a sudden 
they remove that sword from the game. Like it's not a hundred percent trustless, like owning a Bitcoin or an Ethereum or a scale token, but it, um, you know, the contract is the token is, but its use is still depending on the developer. But even that being said, people still want to own these things and it's fun to own these things. And it's fun to have these as your NFTs. And, you know, and maybe even you get a skin for your character and you know, you own it and um, it has a liquid market pr price and I might be able to sell it to somebody else for more, or maybe less, or, you know, buy one for less from somebody. Yeah. So that's, those are kind of some fun features that make, I think, blockchain and gaming really good together. Yeah, I think that last one was sort of what I was trying to get at earlier, um, but didn't quite phrase it very well. Um, it's that it's that ownership of items in game. I think that is is really kind of cool. Um, so, kind of speaking about that, like, so scale the token has gone up and down in price. It's about four cents right now. Does that matter to you, or how do you think about that? And it's as and its price on the market as to what you guys are doing. At scale labs. Yeah, I think, you know, that's a big question. I mean, number one, we just don't even talk about price. It's just, you know, from a, you know, from a compliance perspective and the perspective of just staying focused on building, we just don't talk about it. So for us, you know, as builders, we, you know, we don't worry about it. We are just, we are so focused on helping developers be successful. That's all, that's what we can do. Okay. And, um, and you know, hey, it's uh, every crypto asset that has an actual utility, you know, value is what helps secure the network. Um, and so it adds to the security of the network. So it's important, but um, yeah, it's just something, you know, we just, you know, topic we stay away from for, I think all the reasons you can imagine. And um, yeah, you know, and, and I think it's just good too, cause we got we got there's a lot for us to focus on um, around just, you know, the utility of the network. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for yep. that. Um, you guys came out, um, you, you kind of began in, in one of the last bear markets, I believe you kind of started, um, in 2018, um, and, and built a lot for, you know, basically 2018 to 2020, um, when things sort of, sort of came out of that bear market and, um, there was, you know, DeFi summer and a lot of things that happened from 2020 to 2022 ish and, and uh, that huge bull run. And now we're back in a bear market. So you've seen these cycles. Um, where do you think we are in that cycle? And, and are, are you seeing what, what indications are you seeing of, of um, maybe some kind of light at the end of the tunnel or green shoots? Yeah, good question. So I think, you know, my feeling is, is that every time, there's one of these cycles and it's been really good to, you know, I lived through these as a token holder um, before I was a token, a, a builder. And yeah, we, at the end of 2017, we started scale and kind of lived through a full cycle. And, you know, each time the cycles at its peak, the uh, expectations and the excitement is really outpacing what's happening. Right. And I remember Denticoin back in 2018 and 2019. Everyone's like, buy Denticoin. It's <laughs> your, every dentist will only accept Denticoin. And you, you don't get your Denticoin. It's going to be the world's dental currency. Remember, it was worth like a billion dollars. I swear to God, they got my email address. And I used to get an email from them almost every single day. It was insane. <laughs> insane. And, you know, it's like, 
uh, you know, nothing against the Denticoin people, but it's a good example of how like, you know, was that really happening? No. And is it feasible for that to happen? Probably not. People probably, if they want to use crypto at a dentist, they'll probably use USDC, um, uh, not like a highly fluctuating currency. But I think, you know, but it's a just calls out that, you know, hey, excitement got ahead of actual utility. But right now we're at a point where, and we, this happened again in 2020, where 2020, we had this amazing like DeFi action, actually lots of users and lots of utilization of Ethereum and other blockchains were coming forward and, you know, really drove the next layer level of excitement. Um, and, you know, I won't talk about the market and prices. I just, you know, for all the reasons I talk about. Well, I think what was yeah. cool then was like, it wasn't about a coin anymore. It was more about protocols. It was like, yeah, now you've got a lending protocol. Yeah. You've got a way to, to swap out your Bitcoin for cash, you know, without giving up ownership of your Bitcoin. You've got, you know, like, so, yeah, it, it just expanded into all these traditional financial um, kind of applications, but in a decentralized, you know, web, or, yeah. you know, block chain based system, which I thought was, I, I, that was a huge driver, I think, of that huge, of that bull run. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it was, right? It was like amazing. All of a sudden, all these pieces were there. And I saw them like, whoa, those are the pieces we need at the app level to make sure users can swap and users can, you know, have a savings account and, users can do all these things they want to do. And, uh, but the user side was broken still, you know, like look at, go play a game or an app from that, that era in 2020. It was like, wasn't, <laughs> it was not at all easy yeah. to do. And then fast forward to now and look, I mean, look at the amount of users on scale uh, every month as an example and how and playing these games. And these are not technical people that are able to get up and running and play these games. And, um, and, you know, scale is one piece of that, but there's also so many things that are happening across the board from developer tooling and other, you know, wallets that are really supporting UX. And so that, I think this wave of utility in gaming, in applications, in, uh, you know, and, you know, just further growth and societal acceptance and awareness is going to really push the next level of, I think, excitement and enthusiasm. Also, the integration of AI into these products and applications uh, is going to add, you know, even more fun, interesting use cases, and we'll see a lot happening there, too. Yeah. You said to me before that um, when you guys were kind of in the really serious building phase, you were going to a lot of hackathons, and, and around that time, like 2018, 19, um, and those were the projects that came out a couple of years later that kind of drove that, you know, bull run that we're talking about in the DeFi summer and, and NFTs. Um, are you still doing that? Are you guys still in, 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 in or involved in hackathons? And are you seeing that same kind of activity again now? Yeah, you know what? We don't do as many hackathons as we used to. We used to do every single one. And I think it's really great to do that to get to know developers and build up a reputation your first couple of years. Um, or if you have you know, a, a difficult system to build in where people need, to, you need to try to incentivize developers to learn how to use your product. And scale is, you know, using EVM, using Ethereum virtual machine. And it's really easy to build on scale if you can build on Ethereum. So we get to draft on all that Ethereum uh, hackathon efforts and Ethereum developer growth efforts. And so what we focused on more is getting to, you know, upstream into the applications that are going to really start producing lots of traction and users and be the winners of this next, I think, phase of growth. That's where our focus has been. And, um, and you know, we will do some hackathons next year again. And 
but just not as many. And it's really, you know, I think a matter of focus for us uh, at, at the core team level. But I think, you know, the packathons, I, I judged ETH Tokyo um, this last summer. And <laughs> I mean, they're as packed as ever. Like you go to a hackathon, you don't know that it's a bear market. <laughs> there's just yeah. as many i'm yeah. actually i'm speaking at build eth tomorrow which it's not a hackathon but it's a developer conference in san francisco and that's going to be just packed with really smart interesting ethereum people yeah for sure it's it's a while ago now but i, I had that same thought at eth denver it was just like this is insane i can't believe it was even more of a bear market then than now I yeah think. um well i i usually like to end these on a high note but i'm going to ask you I'm going to go the other way this time. Like, what what are you worried about? What what's a concern for you, or, or like, what's an overhang um, that that you think could negatively affect kind of the crypto world and the on chain you know building world that we're talking about? Yeah, you know, I think I'm going to give you like a short term and a long term fear. I think the short term fear is that we don't take this window of opportunity. Right now, a lot of people got burnt. Um, because of actually centralization. If you look at all the FTX stuff and, you know, there's a ton of issues that just greed that, that burnt people the wrong way. And, and the other piece of that is like, oh, like crypto hasn't delivered. You know, we don't see all, all these great promises and you haven't delivered. And I talk to people all the time who are, you know, tech people in San Francisco, like, oh, crypto, is that still happening? They literally don't know that we're all here to building and there's still stuff happening. And, um, so my fear in the short term is that we miss the window of growth. We don't get that, you know, we don't get 20 million, uh, 50 million daily active users using blockchain applications. Um, that's my fear. And if that doesn't happen during this next wave, then we're going to lose a lot of, you know, I think a lot of people are like, see, I told you this stuff was, you know, a Ponzi scheme and it, no one even uses these things. And, you know, and that's what the naysayers say, right? They don't get how crypto works. So we, we've got to deliver in the short term. My longer term fear is that we deliver so well on the UX pieces and the making things easy that we have we create another web two because, yeah, you know, the users still, there's zero custody happening. There's zero, people aren't really using blockchain like they should be, and they're kind of pretending. And so I always look for, successful applications being one, do they make it really easy, but do they still keep to first principles of blockchain? Because if the app level doesn't keep, you know, core principles in mind, then we've just built another Web2 product. And that's my longer term fear. Yeah, I, I was really impressed with the way you guys do your staking, where it's a reverse kind of stake, right? Where you are not, I'm not, I'm not if I have scale token, I'm not actually sending you my tokens, I'm just sending you a, a key that attests to the tokens I have, but I keep my own, I custody my own tokens. Um, I thought that was really cool. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of lessons that I think people need to learn, yep. <laughs> you know, in this, in this world, because how many times do you need to give your, your coins to somebody who then just, you know, either loses them or takes off with yeah, them, right? um, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, anyway, well, Jack, and thank you so much. You're exactly the type of person we love talking to at Decentral. We're, we're all about the people and the, the human beings behind this technology. Uh, we, we love people, not prices. And so, um, again, just, you know, Scale is, is one of those projects, and you're one of those people um, that just kind of get us out of bed in the morning. So thank you very much. And, and just 
before we go, is there anything that you want to tell folks that you're excited about with scale or, or things that they should be looking forward to? Yeah. So number one, it's a number one, Matt, thank you. Always love talking. It's a blast. Um, uh, and you know, fun, fun having real discussions about the space and I enjoy it. So, and thanks everybody here listening. Really appreciate you being here. Um, and what I'd say, uh, is, is one of the biggest things for scale over the next week is going to be this governance proposal. So you're going to see a lot of effort and a lot of, to like get this communicated to everybody. And it's really complicated, unfortunately, <laughs> the price system, because it kind of has to be to do its job. And therein, I think it's going to be the challenge of communicating how it works. But I think there's a simple way to describe it. And we'll, you know, hopefully there'll be some good assets and materials there. Um, and on top of that, hey, just, you know, get ready. I mean, we are, we are gaming, 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 and, uh, and also social apping, 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 and doing some fun stuff. So I think there'll be some, you know, just, you know, more and more exciting uh, projects joining and um, just, you know, excited for each week. Um, as the community and the ecosystem keeps continues to grow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, thanks to everybody for listening. And, and Jack, again, thanks for your time and all of your insights. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you as well. And uh, for everybody, we'll, um, we'll be back soon with another Spaces from Decentral Media. Um, make sure to follow us on Twitter if you're not. And on the web, we're at decentral.io. Um, so thanks, everybody, and have a great Wednesday. Thank you.